Hello, dog. <laughs> Hello, Karen. Hello, listeners. Um, we are this close to the end of the road slash the block. Wild. The second to last episode after seven seasons and just about six years of our podcast. Next week is the maybe not so grand finale. Yeah, remember how last week I was kind of excited about the episode and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how good it is. And like, it's gotten so much, it got so much better. And yeah, no, um, goodwill over. <laughs> Goodbye, goodwill. Good I'm a little bit the reverse, I think. Really? Um, because during the watch of the episode, I was like, this is stupid and this is stupid and this is stupid. This storyline is terrible and this storyline is terrible. Awful, 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 awful. And then afterwards, upon reflection, I was like, it's just so ridiculous. It's fun. Like, what's like, why, why stress out? Why dwell on the super negative? It's um, like, it's just too like feather light to really even care. So I'm going to, I'm going to look at it with a little bit of um, like a fun taste in my mouth. Okay. Because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous and not good. But I'm just gonna take it because you know it's not an earthquake or an oil spill. So fine. Okay. I I am. I see your point. Like we're about to dive in and we can dissect everything, and we're only gonna say things about like why this is stupid or repetitive or contradictory or whatever. Um. But when all is said and done, I'm going to be like, hmm, I guess it was a little amusing. But no, do you know, do you know, okay, do you know what really bothered me the most about this episode? It was boring. Yeah, it was. I'm, uh, I will probably give examples as we start walking through this about how the show of your in its high, like the high point, the good seasons with our earlier characters did things that were sort of similar with a flair, which is why we loved it. Because they did. Because they were ridiculous then in a way that was not dull. And that sort of maybe even felt earned. I don't know. The stories used to be rich even when they were just truly soap operatically dumb. But now they're just clunky for the sake of having to move story. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about that. We will talk about that. So, but where this begin? is the episode, season seven, episode thirty-four. I mean, what a long ass season! Um, uh, I know. <laughs> dead men don't shut up. Uh, Which, like, okay, the dead man thing is a non-factor in this episode, but we'll we'll talk about that. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was, but that's our cold open is the dead man, right? So basically. All of our key, like our milestone points for the episode, I feel, are misdirected in that, like, where we pick up, our cliffhanger, where we go to commercial, almost each of them is like a beat on a story that should not be one of the main stories for the week, um, especially leading into the finale. But, but this is where we are. Um, okay, so Lexi was in bed with Tony Marlin last week. And he died, so she called Michael to come over and help her out. And now that's where we pick up. They're talking about him being dead. Michael calls 411, and Lexi is like, um, 
oh, well, she's like, you calling 911? And Michael's like, I'm calling 411. We need to find a morgue. And Lexi is like, what about the contracts? So Michael is like, because she needs him to have signed these contracts. Um, and Michael is like, that's it. I'm out of here. Um, and she like begs him to help her out. They have to bring him back to his house to make it look like he died there. Um, and Michael says, well, what's in it for me? And she's she's kind of like, whatever you want. But she doesn't commit to that, as we'll see. Um, they get him dressed and they drag him out through the apartment. And while they're doing that, downstairs in the middle of the night, drunk, crazy Eve is throwing Peter's bags into the pool. And then it's not just his bags. It's his furniture. Um, so to distract her, like there's a, Lexi goes into the apartment to help her. Um, and they're like throwing a big chair into the pool while Michael has literally carts Tony's corpse out in a shopping cart to his car so that Eve can't see it. And there should be more of a moment in that Eve and Lexi are both throwing this chair out and Eve and Lexi are both exes of Peter. And there's a moment where they like both acknowledge it, but it doesn't really matter. Also, because somehow somehow Amanda is always the problem, even though Peter is the one who has ended it with both of these women. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a moment and they can't do very, very much with it. And then we move on back to Tony's house, which looks like a country club. Like the way they drive into his circular driveway makes it look like it's almost to receive public as opposed to being this mansion that's set apart from other houses on the block. I don't understand. It almost looks like a community center. I don't know. Um, they walk Tony inside. I don't know what kind of security he has. Um, they're in like an office or a den <laughs> the of same his one that they have at the advertising agency. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> uh, rigor mortis is setting in and then someone like calls out for him. And I thought it was the wife, but it's actually the maid who I guess has also been sleeping with him. And so then they do this terrible thing. Let's the straight out of weekend at Bernie's where <laughs> we're like, they have the, the chair turned away from the maid and they have Michael like kneeling down by the corpse. And he like has him like nod his head at the maid. Who's like, I'll be upstairs waiting for you. Um, and then Lexi has him quote unquote sign the contracts. Um, and while they're at his desk, they see that he has a dossier on her. He has one on Lexi. He has one on Eve. He has one on Amanda. Because I guess whoever he's doing business with, he hires a PI to do all the research so that he has info and leverage on all of them. Um, which I want to know who this PI is because they could have saved all of us a lot of trouble. And um, the um, oh, I think that's when Michael proposes to Lexi. Because he's like, I just realized I love you and we'll be a great match. I thought he was going to propose to her and be like, by the way, in case you get arrested, I can't testify against you. But it's not like that pragmatic. He says, we have larceny in our hearts and passion in our veins. Um, <laughs> he says he loves her and they kiss as like dead Tony sits slumped in his chair. It's, it's gross. But also here's the thing. This is a storyline that I could 100% see having happened to Sydney three or four seasons back. Not even yeah. when she was a prostitute, just like, you know, like yeah. on a blind date or being like having gone home with a guy from a bar or a rich man she met 
somewhere, whatever. Like it totally is something that could have happened to Sydney and would have been played to the hilt. But this just feels so perfunctory. And as we'll find out soon, doesn't really add up to a whole lot. No, it, it, it really doesn't. And I do agree. And, I, you know, I didn't even think about that. But this would have been something that said that happened to Sid. It would have been something. But she also wouldn't have gotten away with it. No, or she would have gotten away with it for like a week. And then something would have really come back to bite her in the ass. About yeah, it, yeah. She thought and, she had covered yeah. her tracks or cleaned it all up. And then it would have been one step forward, eight steps back eight for steps her, something back. like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And like when she got, when she would get hoisted on her petard, right? Like when she would, <laughs> yeah. like, like it was always so Every much fun. time. Yeah. Every time, you know, it was always so much fun. And I don't know that, you know, when shit goes wrong with Lexi, it's not all, it's not fun because again, it's always Amanda's fault. Yeah, well, I think that's true of almost every storyline, where every now and then there's like a funny line or maybe like a funny moment, but no one involved seems to be having any fun with these. They're right. all going through the motions, both from a writing standpoint and mm. I think mostly from an acting standpoint, too, yeah, where absolutely. it's like we're just we're just going from point A to B, like almost zombie like. Yeah, where like they're just kind of phoning it in. As a viewer, you feel that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, when the writers are all cooking with gas, like I think everyone involved feels it and you get it as a viewer. It's palpable. And when they're all just like, well, we're showing up, you know, we're getting in makeup, we're hitting our marks, we're saying our lines, we're going home. You feel that too. Yeah. I, I just think that's all that's happening here. Yeah, I would agree with that. Anyway. Um, oh, after the commercial... So Michael and Lexi, newly engaged, are in her bed where, um, like, Tony died mere hours ago. Uh, and they're reviewing his dossiers on all of them. Um, and it's basically, it's kind of like Matt's diary from the beginning of the season all over again. Yeah. Where some outside figure has all of, like, the backstory the or exposition that we need to, like, you know, further the next part of our story along. And then they find out that um, Tony's death has been reported and it's on the news. And, um, you know, there, someone is going through his bio, one of the anchors. And one of the things they say about him is that he's been an organ donor for seven years, which, like, that's not how it works. You opt to be an organ donor <laughs> for the time when you, you actually aren't. die. <laughs> like, it's not a, you know, it's not like, oh, he was like a city councilman for seven years. It's in an office that you hold. I thought that was the strangest thing too. You hold your like, organs what? for like, what do these writers know? I get that they don't know how like the corporate world works, right? But like, you don't know how like organ donorship works. <laughs> okay, so you don't really know what happens in a courtroom. That's fine. We're not right. lawyers. No one really but... <laughs> trusts that. None one's here for that anyway. But I mean, you know, organ. Do I was an organ donor for seven years, and all I could think of was he must not have any organs left. <laughs> yeah, I'm like he was just giving. Giving all of his organs away as he was alive? How did he literally function? No wonder he died, right? Like, I know. It wasn't the pills. <laughs> he just kept giving away his organs. I know. No wonder he was sleeping around. He knew he was on very borrowed time. Um, and so we move along with the Peter and Eve divorce. They meet in a community court to like discuss the terms on neutral ground. And then on the way out, Peter embraces Amanda and Eve has the first of multiple flashbacks that we will see in this episode. Um, and there's something about Amanda hugging someone when Eve was exiting the court after her trial or after her verdict, some, some part of 
when she had to go to prison. Um, so there's going to be a lot more of that. Uh, meanwhile, Lexi is now a, a patient again of Dr. Visconti, and she's going through like all of her travails with men and rewriting history because she says that Coop was her one true love, which I'm pretty sure was not the case. And then Peter um, was her one true love. I don't know. Yeah, because then wasn't isn't Peter like the man she can't get over? Or she can't. Yeah, because now she's back to thinking. Because she says something about how like ryan was her guy but now she knows that like peter is like the one for her you know like never can she stand on her own two feet she always has to go after one of these men who wants nothing to do with her because she's so awful um but meanwhile she has the closest thing to a mr right staring her in the face and michael and doesn't even care she's back to wanting peter which that whatever flame had was between the two of them like was extinguished long ago what, everything that she's holding on to is so stupid. And there's a moment where she asks Dr. Visconti, what's wrong with me? And then she drops that that moment of vulnerability and is really just talking to him, to us through him about like what her next plan is. Um, and, and he says, like, shut your eyes and try and envision this. But then Peter comes in. Um, and so Lexi's part is done. And he asks Dr. Visconti to come to Kyle's so that he could give Eve some guidance because she is losing her mind um which feels like a violation of a few things but we haven't even hit the beginning of like all the violations we're going to get into um and we're at kyle's now we go straight to there and i'm really excited because this week's the second to last week's musical guest is a singer songwriter i love named beth nielsen chapman mm-hmm. um and do you know her i do or of her I okay do. cool um, I knew her first as a, a vocalist. She was kind of like in the sort of in like a, the the folk Americana singer songwriter mm-hmm. thing. But then later on, I realized in the '90s that she was a huge um, songwriter for other people who had a lot of big hits. Um, Faith Hill's "This Kiss" is probably her biggest like massive crossover hit. I actually she has did dozens not and dozens. know that. I knew her as that sort of folky singer songwriter. I did not realize she she wrote all these other songs. Um, and not only do I think she's great and and always have, but at one point, I even tweeted something at her and got a response from her. Um, so I may tweet this very podcast to her as well. Uh, I do remember the thing I said was, um, it was like, of all of your songs, what is your favorite? And she was like, whatever the one I'm working on at the moment is. And I was like, wow. well, I think for a creative, that's uh, that's the really important advice. Right. So anyway, Beth Nielsen Chapman, I love you. And for anyone interested, really um, try and seek her out. Look her up on Spotify or whatever. Um, because she has a gorgeous voice and she's a really great writer. And um, I think you'd all be doing yourself a favor. So there's that. Yeah. No one else is doing themselves favors on this show, however. Um, so Eve is being mean at the bar and, and then Dr. Visconti is going to come around. Um, and then we go back to the, the Melrose Ryan in his apartment sees an orientation packet for a school for Sarah. Um, and Sarah has basically, uh, Terry has basically enrolled the daughter into a school that she and Ryan had only like, I guess, sort of talked about as an option. And all of a sudden she's in and going to go. Um, and we fast track this storyline very quickly. So 
in the in the same scene, Terry admits that she loves Ryan and apparently always has, but couldn't because you know he was with her sister. Um, all of which is new information to us and and doesn't really add anything to any of this. And I think they call the wife Callie. Was that always her name? Like going back eight episodes or however many ago? I feel like she had a different no, name. No, I think I don't think it was. But that's what they call her in this one. Um, maybe that's the only time they say it. But I'm like, I don't remember them ever saying Callie before. And I don't um, feel like going back in time and doing the research to find what her name might have been. Well, whatever. I can, but I'm not going to do it nah. for this one. Because it's too late for this one. Um, and and so then she like goes for the real seduction. And she takes off all her clothes. <laughs> And kisses him, and shock of shocks, that's the exact moment Megan decides to walk into the apartment. So she sees it, she storms out, they fight, they walk downstairs to her apartment, and Ryan's like, again, Ryan is always the biggest D-bag, even when he's sort of in the right He's like, we're supposed to get married in three days. If you can't trust me, then that's your problem. So they break off their wedding. Um, And then we go to break. And then after the break, Terry comes by to apologize, and she says she plans to go back to New York and hopes that Megan can forgive Ryan. So, you know, uh, cliffhanger already seemingly resolved. That was fast. I want to say this Terry storyline sucks. I mean, this whole storyline with Ryan's secret daughter that they all woke up to is terrible. But the thing is, either make Terry an enemy that he's going to have to fight for custody like right. they had with Matt two years ago. Right. Um, or make Terry a threat to Megan from the beginning. But don't just change course like two-thirds of the way through the storyline, right? Because well, I thought Terry was going to come – I was, thought Terry was going to come to L.A. and all of a sudden it was going to be like, well, there's this claim of – abuse and what's the real story and how ugly is it going to get and they just dropped that and now it's terry is just madly in love with ryan so in love with ryan that she has kept him at arm's length across the country for the last eight years or whatever it is like i know at this point we give up on trying to make sense of these (laughs) storylines i know but it's it's human nature to try and figure the shit out (laughs) like can't like can't you just like have put a little bit more effort into it yeah um so yeah um so in this episode we have a lot of eve and then a little bit of terry both resembling um kimberly from various seasons of your i think um and and so now eve is talking to dr visconti um And she's in his office and she's telling him that that hug she witnessed with Peter triggered a memory from her trial. And in the flashback, flashback, like they really unpack everything very quickly from scene to scene. Yeah. Uh, She realizes now that Amanda is hugging Kent DeMar's father. So the boyfriend who was pushed off the bleachers, it's his rich dad. And Amanda is actually embracing him uh, right in the courtroom as though they were close friends. Can we just like back up for a second? Like, you mean because it's 40-year-olds playing teens? Is that what you're going to say? Oh, there was that. But <laughs> <laughs> there was also, like, the thing that you said, like, uh, just, just said just now about moving, like, they're moving through things very quickly, right? Like, like, yeah. like things were moving at a clip. 
it felt excruciating. It was like getting teeth pulled. It was because it was so boring. And that's so funny. Like it was moving quickly. All of these storylines were like breakneck speed, but it felt so slow. Okay. Interesting. I thought you were going to say, because to me, what's excruciating are really slow storylines. So when you just give me new information, new information, new information, I'm like, well, this is sloppy and lazy or whatever, but at least I'm getting answers, even if they don't make any sense or even if they rewrite everything that's come before. Because no, I was just, it was just, I just, it's just so like head shaking to me. It was just boring. Like, like everything. That well, it is boring because so none of boring. these are like, none of these are drawing me in. Right. Like I was just, I could, I was like half ass watching. Cause I was like, I don't even I like I don't care. It's not interesting, and it's dull. It's dull, and that I think was no sort arguments of like, there. I think that was kind of like for me, the series kind of like you know it was almost like worse than season five or season four. What's the season we hate? Well, you hate season four, and I'm just like I just I get disappointed by it. But I think this is okay. way worse. I, it's definitely way worse than season four. Season like, four, would... season four is saved only because we still have our initial have characters seen. and actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like this, this is just this is this is beyond going off the rails. It's just so yeah. lazy. Because at least season four, it was like a level of ridiculousness that made me angry, especially after coming off of like season three, which was kick ass right mm -hmm. um and then it Definitely. just like went like completely bonkers and like the worst kind of way now it's we've gone from bonkers to just boring and i think for especially for a show like melrose place that is kind of like the cardinal sin i agree you know like you can be it's bonkers. like the one thing you should count on that show for yeah. doesn't have to make sense doesn't have to live in the real world but but like it should go nuts be and be fun yeah it should never be boring yeah this was boring yeah, and it has been. Mm. I think not just today, but it has yeah, been. It has been, but this one was incredible. Like I think, especially pronounced for me. Well, I'm curious what you'll think about the finale. <laughs> like only, well, only mill, because right? I don't remember. I don't really remember all the stuff that happens. I sort of remember where we are, like by the f final scenes. But, uh, but I just can't imagine that two hours versus the one hour we just had is going to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, by the way, no Jane yet. Just wanted to throw that in there. Oh yeah. It's been a while. Um, so Dr. Visconti suggests hypnosis to Eve. Um, <laughs> That's such an 80s thing, right? Well, well between hypnosis and amnesia, know, it's like those are the staples, right? Take your pick. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, and then we go to Lexi and Michael, and she's telling Michael that they should do couples counseling. She's like with him in the hospital, so she sees Eve pass them on her way out, and Lexi smells an opportunity there. We'll f see what that is. Um, and then Ryan, because Amanda Woodward advertising is done, Ryan is having a lunch interview right at Kyle's, um, and Megan comes by to apologize. And like the the guy he was interviewing with steps away, he has to make a call, and Ryan and Megan quickly make up, and then the guy is like, guess what? Great news. You got the job. Can you start tomorrow? And he's like, how about next week? I'm going to get married first, which like, none of this is how it happens in real life. But also if... 
you interview for a job and they say immediately you're hired. Can you start tomorrow? Don't take that job. Oh. <laughs> like, no good flag. is going to come from that experience. Okay. That's a red flag. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I, I think have good instincts, so <laughs> figure it out. Um, all right. So Dr. Visconti comes to, to Peter's office and Amanda is there. Uh, waiting for Peter. So, so he starts asking her more about the high school incident. He's like, uh, he says without saying this, he's like, uh, I've started counseling Eve and I'm just going to violate doctor patient confidentiality for the first time to find out more about what the hell she's talking about. What can you tell me about that time? Um, and what she says is basically the same story verbatim from Eve. The same Wait, words Harris. about yeah. the fight on the bleachers and and she pushed him in self-defense and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then she walks out in the hallway and something is weighing on her. So, like, there's more to the story than what they've repeatedly been telling everyone, including we, the audience. Um and then Lexi comes to visit Eve. There's like Halloween-y kind of music actually playing. Like they have some sinister storyline afoot. It's not that sinister. Um, <laughs> but, and this is, I think, kind of a lost opportunity. Um, she mentions that Tony Marlin had these files on her. Um, and, and I'm like, well, so then if a PI was really digging then maybe the PI would have been able to find out more about what they're keeping secret. And then Lexi would have known it. And Lexi could use that somehow as leverage right. or Lexi could use that to tell Eve rather than like all of this hypnosis BS. Um, and then Eve starts remembering more of what really happened. Um, and, and Lexi says something else about how like, you really have to make Amanda pay. And again, it's like, why do you hate Amanda so much? Because you really hate Peter. And Amanda has never actually done anything to you in the two years you've been on the show. Like you keep gunning for her, but you're not an equal to her. And she's never really been a threat to you, but you didn't like that Peter left you and said he liked Amanda again. And yet you, here you are still wanting Peter back. Like, come on. Right. Like the Lexi Amanda matchup has never been satisfying to me. No. And it's in never fact, worked. It's just never worked. In fact, I would say like, like, I always liked when Amanda, you know, like, I liked them when Amanda and Allison were in their various triangles and, like, when they would have their repartee with each other. And I liked some, like, the triangle Amanda was in with Joe over Jake. But really, the only female character on the show who's really given Amanda a run for her money was Taylor. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, that was a way more satisfying the kind of petered out through season six, but that first season uh, when she steals Peter away from Amanda is really good. And Lexi has none of, like, no, no, none of that. But she no never, of that. but she never, like there was never any like Peter being stolen away from her or Amanda to have to build up this animosity between them. Right. No, because Amanda was busy being with, married to Kyle, being married to Kyle yeah. when, when Peter was like, I think I still love Amanda. Lexi, I'm breaking up with you. Like Amanda was never a factor in that. Right. Amanda was never flirting with him. Like they were, they didn't have an affair at any point there. Like none of that, none of that mattered. Meanwhile, Lexi is actively horrible to Megan 
and just keeps like like tossing that aside like it's no biggie when she's a mm-hmm. thousand times worse than Amanda ever was, or at least that we're led to believe Amanda has ever been um, until maybe today. So, mm-hmm. okay, halfway through the episode and we finally see Jane and we finally see Kyle. They're still on the show, guys. Um, they join Ryan and Megan with Sarah and Terry um, at, at dinner. And I guess... I don't really know what the math is. That's the Melrose time warp thing, but uh, I think the wedding is supposed to be the next day, even though they had said like it's three days away, whatever. So, so Terry says she's catching a midnight flight back to New York and she's leaving and then it's all for the best. Um, and so then she's like, in fact, I have to go right now. And she leaves and she casts like a long look uh, at the rest of the ready-made family at their table through the, the outside window of the restaurant. Um, in case you think there's more there, yes, there's more there. Um, okay, and Amanda's talking to Peter about how she feels like cut loose from everything. She, you know, she's like, uh, I don't have my company and I don't have the building anymore. Everything is always about how the building fulfilled her. Um, and and Peter starts talking about how he's going to be very generous with Eve. And Amanda is like, can't you just leave her behind for one night? And then we start to get in like a little like sex montage as Eve comes to the hotel room. Mm-hmm. So first of all, how does Eve know where the hotel room is? And second of all, why is Amanda renting a, a hotel room on the ground floor of this hotel? Come on. Um, but so they're playing like sex music which is the best way I'm going to describe it. Cause it's not, you know, it's not quite smooth, jazz, but it's like what they play in the movies when characters have sex. Um, and she like, here's the music and instead of knocking on the door. So she goes outside around the back to peek in uh, and she's watching them in bed together. And then she remembers more. And then she has a flashback to having seen Amanda and Kent also going at it in his Jeep. So apparently Amanda and Kent were cheating on her throughout her time dating him when they were in high school. So then we go back to Ryan, who's talking to Kyle and Kyle is saying things with Jane are better than any of his other relationships. And he's like, it's making me think more about, you know, my marriages to Taylor and Amanda, which were very different beasts because also Kyle was a shitty husband from the beginning to Taylor. Um, And Kyle is like, you know, what's important. Yeah. He's like, you know what's important? No secrets. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, that could be the mantra of this whole series. But yeah, good job, (laughs) 35-year-old Kyle. Yeah, great. And then, out of nowhere, with no telegraphing, no buildup, no single scene to hint at this, um, we show that Jane is taking a pregnancy test. And even though she and Kyle have been together for seven, seven seconds, she's already pregnant. And also... She has not yet told Kyle and isn't hasn't told Kyle this episode. So Jane is now keeping a secret. Yes. Um, and then we're back with Eve in the doctor's office. And she's like, I might be losing my mind. And then we finally do the hypnosis. And she sees Amanda standing. Like, I think they had said something about this back in the season, how she had to, like, shove Kent's body in a trench. And she thought she saw someone walk by. And then she can see that. Um, Amanda was the the shadow she saw by the trench. Right. And she's like, so Amanda did lie to me. So he mm-hmm. asked her to bring back a 
tactical memento from her high school days. And like, you have no idea what you have just unearthed, Dr. Visconti. <laughs> tactical memento. <laughs> oh dear, here we go. <laughs> um, and this is where it gets really awesome. And I have a question for you. So again, Amanda feels like Etsy and, and needs something to like define her. She's visiting Peter at the hospital and he's like, I have this great idea. Why don't you do the PR for the hospital? And her response is, I don't know anything about hospitals. And he's like, it's okay. You'll learn. How about you don't know anything about PR? You're advertising. (laughs) Totally different. So I'm asking you, a PR veteran, how much bullshit is that? It is such bullshit. It's it's a very different... I mean, there's some crossover, and you can do both, but um, it's a very different thing. Yeah. You don't, and also, like, so did you for... not have a PR person at the hospital? I know, right? Like, they never had a PR person. Oh, no like, all of the Michael Mancini problems, all the Kimberly <laughs> things going on, and you guys never had anything. Uh, when Peter was kidnapped, it was cross-country news. Taylor was reading about it in Boston, and there was no one doing PR for the hospital. Like, there's not even a line that's like, our PR person quit, which I would understand. Right. It's just like, I had an idea. Why don't you do PR for the hospital? I think we should um, have PR at this hospital. Yes. If I yes, we should. So uh, I guess Amanda's going to have a new job, which great. I was really worried. Um, I'm back at Melrose. Megan and Ryan are tucking Sarah in, and she goes back to her apartment because she's like, "It's the night before our wedding, and I I don't want you to see me." Blah 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 blah. Um, and then this is like sort of random. So Peter and Amanda are at the apartment, even though they don't live there anymore. Um, and they knock on the door and bring a gift to them, even though they've sort of not been invited to the wedding yet. They know about it. Um, and I guess this is Amanda trying to like make peace with the fact that she's been shitty to Megan, but doesn't really hate her. Um, and they're like, uh, we'll pass on the ceremony. And because, you know, Jane and Kyle are going to be there. Um, and, and Ryan is like, Oh, well come to the reception, you know, bygones and all. And Amanda says, maybe, um and she's like i hope and then like completely non sequitur goes i hope eve comes to the same conclusion about bygones which uh uh i appreciate the segue but why would you even say that yeah probably but then we go to eve in her uh apartment like dressed as baby jane with like (laughs) lipstick smeared all over and she's cutting photos out of her yearbook which you're gonna tell me she brought her high school yearbook with her in like her one bag to to the apartment uh, and she's cutting photos out of the yearbook and so we got a couple of different things happening across the complex peter knocks on the door um and she doesn't answer it and he finally opens the door and she's standing behind it holding up the pair of scissors um and so then Amanda joins him and she tells him to leave. And right as they leave, Lexi shows up and harasses them. And she's like, you don't live here anymore. You're trespassing, blah, blah, blah. Get out of here. And they're like, yeah, we're leaving. So then she goes in to see Eve. Um, and and Lexi is like, uh, here, let me be here for you. And she's trying to calm her down, though she knows like Eve is like, way out on a limb. And she's like, there will always be another pep rally, okay? <laughs> um, and she, like, walks her away, and we, we, like, close in on the scissors on the nightstand. And I think that's where we go to commercial. Right. But the next morning, Lexi, I don't know if Lexi has, like, stayed over with Eve or invited Eve to her apartment, but she's, like, pouring Eve juice. 
And she says that the hypnosis is messing with Eve's head. She says that they should go back to that town, Oakhurst, um, and and see what they can find. And really now, Lexi is doing the Sydney role. Because do you remember when Sydney yeah. and Michael were messing with Kimberly about like trying to figure out when she was possessed by Henry, trying to find out what the backstory was with that split personality? Like, there's a way to do this and be having fun with it. Because Sid and Michael were having a lot of, were creating a lot of fun for us as watchers. And this is just so procedural. Right. It's just Lexi being a busybody and somehow knowing more than she has any reason to. And being like, let's go to this town and you don't know me and we're not friends. And I have a full-time job that I can just keep skipping out on. Let's go. And she says something else again about having to make Amanda pay. Like the Amanda hate is not fun. Mm-hmm. Um and then Dr. Visconti uh, breaks confidentiality again, though this time he acknowledges he's doing it because he approaches Peter out of concern because Eve skipped the session she was going to because she went to Oakhurst with Lexi. Um, and he says that, he basically says what her m- new memory or the new details of her memory uh, of Amanda are. Um, and so then we have the wedding at the beach house and it's small and uneventful. It's um, Ryan and Megan, they're married. Sarah's there. Jane and Kyle, and I think that's it. Yeah. Um, and Jane asks Kyle to hold her, and it's like, so the pregnancy is weighing on her, but she's not telling him, and who cares? This storyline is stupid, too. Um, so Peter comes to see Amanda at Kyle's restaurant, and he tells her what he knows, and she says, well, Eve was just hallucinating. Uh, and then she says something about like the trench or like I wasn't anywhere near the trench or something. And Peter's like, well, I didn't say anything about the trench. So he knows that there's more to the story and doesn't quite trust Amanda, but he doesn't push it and he can't push it because then she's like, I'm not going to talk about any of this again, which means now we really do think she has something to hide. And so now we're in Oakhurst. Eve and Lexi are at the bleachers, um and eve is going through the events of the night and it's like we we had Eve visit her granny in that home but does eve have any other family and did they mention like are there siblings or parents that are still alive or anyone else who a she should be visiting or b might also know more details of the time no i guess not. though it was like it was always just her granny because that was who was raising her you know she came from was that was that what we're supposed to think the story was I, that's what we're supposed to think the story was okay it's i mean this is sort of like when it it kind of harkens back to all those sort of like bad ya novels that girls that they would like yeah yeah like you know you're from the wrong side of the track yeah there's the poor downtrodden yeah you know you live with the grandparent you know and it's usually a single grandma so yeah incidentally good point because this whole year-long storyline is very sweet valley high it is You're super right. sweet. yeah it yeah. is very much i think there was actually like a ya romance book called literally called the wrong side of the tracks oh and i'm was sure like, you're right yeah. <laughs> and it was like exactly the story except i think i thought you was... were gonna say it li- i thought you were gonna say literally called eve and amanda or something Ama- like <laughs> but i think like the reverse was like the boy was from the wrong side of the tracks and the girl oh was bad boy yeah 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 so so you know it that this is just such a sweet valley high it's exactly right storyline it's unbelievable yeah um so then we get to the big revelation 
uh, Eve finally sees more of what happened when Amanda was at the trench. So, okay, they pushed Kent off the bleachers. He was dead. Amanda left, supposedly. Eve shoved him in. Well, apparently he wasn't dead. So to shut him up, Amanda came back, took a big rock, and bashed him over the head with it to murder him viciously. Which means Amanda is a psychopath and should have gone to prison. So, okay, if this is all true, then Eve has every right to be mad. Um, also, I neglected to say this before. We're so entrenched with like Lexi doing all this Eve stuff because she hates Amanda. that I forgot to say the Tony Marlin thing was they do say one final mention, which is the the poor wife, now widow, said she will honor all of the contracts that he signed with his clients uh, in his death, which means like Lexi is fine, by the way, just to wrap that up. But yeah, so the big revelation and where this episode really should have ended, given that Amanda is our lead, is that Amanda, the bad girl for the last six years, but like the proper, like sophisticated bad girl is maybe actually a psycho murderer. I know she might be a murderer. Which yeah. kind of puts everything into relief? I, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. If they do that with that character, they done her dirty. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. You know, if they if this actually if this if that's the storyline, if that's actually what they're gonna do, like they really they've done her dirty. I agree. Um, I don't remember. What's next here? But I have to believe we find out that not all of this is really true. I I mean, it just seems so convoluted. It's already enough that Amanda has got the guy that just left you and broke up your marriage. Like, the fact that your connection to Amanda has always hurt you, it's led you to prison, it's made you single now, like, that's already enough for eve to go off the deep end that's all we actually need we don't need this like what is it a fourth retcon amanda grew up in this town now and she actually is a teen murderer we don't need that no i mean what i was kind of hoping for was that you know amanda was protecting eve because eve actually was bludgeoned the guy for no reason and it wasn't an accident and she turns yeah. out to be a psycho murderer and amanda has been protecting that memory this whole time um, that I felt would make more sense, but to turn around and make Amanda be the psycho murderer. I don't know. Yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm essentially watching with clean eyes because I just don't remember. I still am now holding out hope that it's something more akin to that, that we find out in the, the final episode, just because it's too much of a cheat otherwise. And like what's left with one episode to go with any of this storyline, you could have done so much with it. Um, and the other thing is, again, in these final episodes, very little Amanda. We have everyone now talking about her, or a few people that have the majority of screen time talking about her, but we don't really have Amanda. Yeah. And that's not how we should be ending up, even if she is a psycho killer. Um, all right. But that's not where the episode ends, because we have one more scene. So it's... it's um the end of the Ryan and Megan wedding, they're like leaving Jane's house. They're going to go on like a five day honeymoon and Jane and Kyle, I guess are going to be watching Sarah. Um, and they're all standing in front of the house. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, 
Terry is there and she kidnaps Sarah. She takes Sarah and shoves her into a car and starts driving away. And of course, there's a, a, a moment of confusion because it's like, well, why is Terry here? And it's conceivable that she would put Sarah in a car because they all know each other. But then they realize what's going on. And both Ryan and Kyle get in their cars and start chasing Terry down. Um, and Terry is like talking to Sarah and like crying and she's looking back at Sarah in her seat. Um, and then Terry drives into a telephone pole, which is exactly like the same predicament Ryan was in with the first wife. One of those sisters in the front seat and the daughter in the back seat. What's he going to do? So it's the same shit all over again. And like, that's where we leave the cliffhanger on Ryan's face, watching, thinking, what is he going to do yep. and what is going to happen? And again, the storyline is so stupid and so like B plot. This is not where the episode should have ended. And, so, and it's like, none of this should have happened because it's just asinine anyway. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, so that's the episode. Again, there are ways you could have had more fun with it. There are ways it could have felt in their own crazy manner, more organic um, than they do. But right now, like everyone is just doing the bare minimum to see this through. Yeah. But we're working but hard. we're not. We're watching. <laughs> we're showing up. Uh, damn it. So, yeah, I don't have any other final thoughts. Yeah, we're showing up. We do the work. Um and yeah, so next week will be an extended episode of Back on the Block. Uh, we'll talk about the finale. Um, and then we will be back again a couple weeks. We're going to take a, a pause because I'm not available. And then we're going to come back the beginning of November with one final postmortem um, to cast our six years of, of the show um, in, you know, to put it all to bed properly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that we're not being negative Nellies, we're gonna we're, yeah. We because go I think it's pretty safe note. to say we'll be more. We'll be oh, doing more. Yeah, more there'll be more. There'll be more bitching next week. Yeah, I can promise that. Um, cool. But so that was gonna, that was that was the week that was. Yeah, we're gonna head to Hollywood Boulevard next. Is that where we're going? We are, and we okay. hope you guys follow us over. <laughs>